Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 214 of The Informed Catholic. Episode 214. Well, uh, today, um, well, before we begin, actually, please subscribe and share t- uh, uh, to my podcast. Uh, the more numbers... Uh, the more people subscribe, the more the podcast gets distributed even more. That helps a great deal. And it also would help me to encourage me to keep doing this because uh, I do enjoy doing it and it helps when I see the numbers increase. Um, you know, because this is my way of doing my part to uh, share the gospel and to share news, information, uh, politics, and everything that involved the faith, involved the church, involved Christian life. And if I can do anything to help people, especially through this time of the pandemic, it's good that we stay connected. All right, so uh, let's say a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, guardian of the church and terror of demons, pray for us. St. Thomas More, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. And St. Michael the Archangel, defend us from evil and pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so I have an article from National Catholic Registrar. It's actually dated December 18th, 2018. It's from a blog. It's by David, I'm sorry, Dave Armstrong. And the title of it is, Was Christ Actually Born December the 25th? A closer look at the historical evidence. And I think this is worth going through because I think it's important because it's good to see what scholars say and what the what they like to talk about. Anyway, let's begin. All right. Father William Saunders, in one of his consistently excellent articles for the Arlington Catholic Herald, wrote in December 19th, uh, we're going to look at that later, December 19th, 2013, St. Luke related the announcement of the birth of St. John the Baptist to his elderly parents, St. Zachariah and St. Elizabeth. St. Zachariah was a priest of the class of Abajai, or Abayai, Luke chapter 1, verse 5. The eighth class of 24 priestly classes, I guess, orders, we, we, they usually say from Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 17. Each class served one week in the temple twice a year. This is interesting. I think I know where he's going here. uh, Joseph Henrik Friedlip has established that the priestly class of Abayaya would have been on duty during the second week of the Jewish month of Tishri. 
the week of the Day of Atonement, or in our calendar, between September 22nd and 30th, while on duty, the Archangel Gabriel informed Zechariah that he had that he and Elizabeth would have a son. Luke chapter one verse five to twenty four. Thereupon, thereupon, they conceived John, who after presumably forty weeks in the womb, would have been born at the end of June. For this reason, we celebrate the Nativity of Saint John, the Baptist. June 24th. <laughs> this is great. St. Luke also records how the Archangel Gabriel told Mary that Elizabeth was six months pregnant with John. Luke chapter 1, verse 36, which means the Annunciation occurred March 25th. As we celebrate nine months from March 25th or six months from June 24th renders the birth of Christ on December the 25th, our Christmas. Mar um, this is interesting. Okay. Uh, uh, Shamaru Talman, professor of emeritus in Biblia, Bible Department at Hebrew University in Jerusalem and a top scroll, uh, uh, scroll scholar in 1958 published an in-depth study of the temple's rotating assignments of priests. This is, this is really good. First Chronicles chapter 24 verse 7 and the Qumran scrolls to see the assignment during the New Testament times. It shows definitively that Zechariah served as a temple priest, Luke chapter 1, verse 8, in September. His wife Elizabeth conceived late in September, as the archangel Gabriel said, Luke chapter 1, verse 24, and afterward remained in seclusion for five months. Church tradition uh, states is that her, her son John the Baptist was conceived on September 23rd. It is commonly believed, I have thought this myself, that Christians made the date of Christmas to correspond to Roman holidays so as to wipe them out. Father Saunders observed, the Romans did celebrate Saturnia between December 17th and, and December 23rd, commemorating the winter solstice, December 23rd, but Christmas does not fit that time of frame. What about the birthday of the unconquered sun? Natali solus invicti, invicti or sol invictus, December 25th. He goes on to note that we have, to, we have a record of celebrations of Christmas on December 25th from Pope St. Telesporos, uh, Telesporos, um, circulating around the year A.D. 125 to A.D. 136, the seventh bishop of Rome, St. Theolopolis, A.D. 115 to 181 to 181, bishop of Caesarea, St. Hippolytus, 100, uh, A.D. 170 to, 200, to 240, Pope Liberius, uh, AD 352-66 AD, St. Gregory uh, Nazanias, 
389 AD, and St. Ambrose, AD 397. 389 was St. Nazanias, uh, St. Nazanias, and St. Ambrose was 397, just a few years apart. The Romans celebrated the winter solstice on December the 25th um, in Julian calendar, the Julian calendar. That's a little slightly different. At length, he concludes Christmas was celebrated December 20th prior to any pagan celebration on the same date. The earliest date provided by historical evidence for the Roman celebrations of Sol Invictus is 274, institution by the Roman Emperor Aurelian. Okay. In his book, The Spirit of the Liturgy, Ignatius Press, Revised Edition, Pope Benedict XVI explains, they, the claim used to be made that December 25th developed in opposition to the Mithras myth, or as a Christian response to the cult of the unconquered sun promoted by Roman emperors in the 3rd century in their efforts to establish a new imperial religion. However, these old theories can no longer be sustained. This is from uh, his uh, quoting from page 107 to 108. All right. Catholic answer, Answers Apologist uh, John uh, Sorenesen adds that the Christians chose a date so close to the winter solstice it is also not proof that this was done to mimic pagan festivals. The various pagan religions all had festivals spanning the calendar. Whatever month the early Christians might have otherwise chosen would still be Christmas near some pagan celebration, and opposition theorists would still be making the same claim. Why December 25th? As Catholic answers. Andrew McGowan, no insignificant scholars, wrote in an article for Bible Review, reprinted in Bible History Daily, Early Christian writers never hint at any recent calendar engineering. They clearly don't think the date was chosen by the church. Rather, they see the, co uh, the, the coincidence as a providential sign, as natural proof that God has selected Jesus over the false pagan gods. It's not until the 12th century that we find the first suggestion that Jesus' birth celebration was deliberately set at the, at the time of pagan feasts. A marginal note on the manuscript of writing of the Syriac biblical commentator Dionysus uh, Bar Silibi that states that in uh, Selby that states in ancient times that the Christmas holiday was actually shifted from January 6th to December 25th so that it fed it it fell on the same date as a pagan Saul Invictus holiday. In the 18th and 19th century, Bible scholars spurred on by the new study of comparative religions latched onto this idea. They claimed that because the early Christians didn't know when Jesus was born, they simply assimilated the pagan solstice festival for their own purposes, claiming it as the time of the Messiah's birth and celebrating it in accordingly. This is something that happened because of, of uh, historical critical study. And I think they saw a lot of scholars. This is me talking now, not the, not the article. Because I saw this in, um, in uh, a, a YouTube channel. A lot of the scholars 
got more popular. They got they wanted to be accepted as scholarship because scholarship became popular, doubting the scriptures, disbelieving the scriptures, writing articles uh, that uh, you know from a from a historical anthropological way rather than from a um, uh, what do you call it theological and orthodox way. They want to stand out from each other and. Each one, I, I would honestly tell you, if you look at all of them, including a lot of them, sadly, were Catholic priests um, that, that jumped on the bandwagon to, uh, to shred light of doubt, to put the spotlight of doubt on the scriptures and on, on Christianity for some reason. Why? I don't know. Maybe they just, maybe that's the only way. Maybe being popular was who can outdo the next one by by claiming it's fake. Maybe they, they, they felt embarrassed. Maybe this is the only way they can be accepted. I don't know. It Honestly, I don't want to read any of them. I don't even want to read Raymond Brown. Raymond Brown was supposed to be a very popular scholar, and I don't want to read him. I, I've heard about him. I heard how popular he is. I don't want to touch any of his books. I, why would I want to read someone who tells me that it's all a myth? If I want to believe it's all a myth, why not I just give up being a Christian and stop believing in anything? I mean, seriously, why would I pick up a book as a devout Catholic from a Catholic priest who is supposed to encourage and help my faith grow even more and then for some strange reason tell me that it's it's all a myth that the gospels weren't written by the by 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 the by the evangelists that that the christian community put words in jesus mouth post mortem why would i want to do that if i don't want to believe i just don't want to believe why would i want to be a christian and pick up a book about unbelief and still say I'm a Christian. It's nonsense. It's garbage. All right, let's continue. From the mid the fourteenth fourth century on, we do find Christians deliberately adopting and Christianizing pagan festivals. A famous proponent of this practice was Pope Gregory the Great, who, in a letter written in uh, six oh one, they put here C E. I hate that. Uh, A D to a Christian missionary in Britain recommended that local pagan temples not be destroyed but be converted into churches and that pagan festivals be celebrated as feasts of Christian martyrs. At this late point, Christmas may well have acquired some pagan trappings, but we don't have evidence of Christians adopting, adopting pagan festivals in the 3rd century, at which point to dates for Christmas we were established. Thus, it seems unlikely that the date was simply selected to correspond with pagan solar uh, festivals. For further articles of this nature and many great Advent Christmas links from others, please visit. All right, I'm not going to advertise this. All right, that was one. Um, all right, let's go back a little bit and check this out here. All right. What I want to do is I want to explore a little bit more uh, what this article points to here. All right, I want to go back. St. Luke related the announcement of the birth of St. John the Baptist to his elderly parents, St. Zechariah and St. Elizabeth. 
since Zechariah was a priest of the class of Abijah. Luke chapter 1 verse 5. He was of a class. He was of the order. Um, the best word I think is order. Like almost like you have a like religious order. This was, remember, these people lived, uh, had a temple. And the temple, uh, there were many sons of Aaron. And there were so many that they had to be broken up into class, you can say, or orders. So he was of the order of Abijah. All right. Now, I, I don't like the word class of Abijah, order of Abijah. Uh, the eighth class of 24 priestly orders, the eighth order of 24 priestly orders. That's big. That is very big. All right. And this goes back to Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 17. So you see there was an order. There was a structure, just like the Catholic Church has different order of, of priests, the Jesuit order, the Franciscan order, the Benedictine order. Uh, you know, you, you have a whole bunch of them. You have um, different kind of Carmelite order. You have all these different kind of orders. So 24 orders, that's pretty big. And who knows how many? And these were all, remember, Zechariah was married and there were, you know, others. And, you know, even though him and his wife didn't have a kid, I'm sure others did. And, you know, who knows how many kids they had. And remember, priests weren't allowed to own property or land. I mean, you know, they probably had houses, I'm sure. And they served, they lived in, in you know, in different, you know, parts of, of the land. And people, they lived off to people's uh, generosity, the, I guess you can say tithing. And he, um, his, his class, his order, uh, served one week in the temple twice a year. One week in the temple twice a year. Joseph Hendrick Friedlip has established that the priestly class of Abijah order would have been on duty during the second week of the Jewish month of Tishri, the week of the Day of the Atonement, or in our calendar between September 22nd and the 30th. While on duty, the archangel Gabriel informed Zechariah that he and Elizabeth would have a son, Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 24, thereupon conceived John, who after presumably 40 weeks in the womb, would have been born at the end of uh, June. This reason would celebrate the nativity of St. John the Baptist on June 24th. So if you count September, October, November, December, okay, January, February, March, April, May. All right, so like, I mean, you have to count like, yeah, nine months, pretty much close to June, yeah. All right. I mean, that's, you know, that, you know, you have to count like a month each one from, from the time of conception. It's interesting. You know, so that's at the end of uh, September 30th, probably between that time. Yeah. June 24th. St. Luke also recorded how the Archangel Gabriel told Mary that Elizabeth was in six months pregnant with John. Uh, Luke chapter one, verse 36, which means the annunciation occurred March as we celebrate nine months from March 25th or 
six months from June 24th, renders the birth of Christ at December the 25th, our Christmas. That's very interesting. You see, you know, this this really is interesting. Uh, Shamaru Talman, professor of Emeritus in the Bible Department of Hebrew University in Jerusalem and a top scholar in 1958 published an in-depth study of the temple rotating assignments of priests, 1 Corinthians chapter 24, verse 7, and the Kurman skulls to see the assignment during New Testament um, times. It shows definitively that Zechariah served as a temple priest, Luke chapter 1, verse 8, in September. His wife Elizabeth conceived late in September, as the archangel Gabriel said. Luke chapter 1, verse 24. Afterwards, he remained in seclusion for five months. Church tradition is that her son, John the Baptizer, was conceived on September 23rd. It is commonly believed, I have thought that this my, this myself, that Christians made the date of Christmas to correspond to Roman holidays so as to wipe them out, uh, Father Sanders observed. The Romans did celebrate Saratonia between December 17th and, and 23rd, commemorating the winter solstice, but Christmas does not fit to that time frame. Okay, we read this part, but this is this is very, very interesting. There's something really, if you want to look it up, go to National Catholic Register, Dave Armstrong blog, December 28th. This article came out in 2018. All right, we're in 2020. Okay, Dave Armstrong, National Catholic Registrar. All right, this is very good. It's a blog, but it's worth reading. I think it's great. Now, let's go check this link. This is from Father William Sanders. Uh, this is from 2013. Okay, all right. Um, question. At work, I was having a debate about whether Christ was really born on December 25th. One fellow worker, professed atheists, said that this was made-up date and that the church used the date of pagan Roman holidays for Christmas. Can you help me out? And the uh, an uh, answer is, how wonderful it would be if our Lord had been born in the age of information technology or even when the public records office issued birth certificates. Alas, the Gospels do not provide such information. Nevertheless, some scriptural detective work can help determine the date of Christ's birth. St. Luke related the announcement of the birth of St. John the Baptist to his elderly parents, St. Zechariah and St. Elizabeth. St. Zechariah was a priest of the class of Abijai, Luke chapter 1, verse 5, the eighth class of 24 priestly classes, Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 17. Each class served one week in the temple, twice a year. Joseph Henrik Friedlip, has established that the priestly class of Abijah would have been on duty duty during the second week of the Jewish month of Tishri, the week of the Day of Atonement, or in our calendar, between September 22nd and 30th. While on duty, the Archangel Gabriel informed Zechariah that he and Elizabeth would have a son. Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 24. Upon uh, thereupon, they conceived John, who after presumably 40 weeks in the womb, would have been born at the end of June. For this reason, we celebrate the nativity of St. John the Baptist, June 24th. 
St. Luke also records how the archangel Gabriel told Mary that Elizabeth was six months pregnant with John, which means the Annunciation occurred March the 25th, as we celebrate nine months from March 25th or six months from June 24th, renders the birth of Christ at December the 25th, our Christmas. On a pious note, would not our Blessed Mother herself have remembered all these details, especially how she conceived by the Holy Spirit and bore the Savior? Surely all mothers, including my own, remember these details. And would the apostles have asked her these questions, at least after the ascension? And would not St. Luke, who included the details of the Annunciation and Visitation, not have learned from our Blessed Mother? Pope Benedict, in his book, Jesus of Nazareth, The Infancy Narratives, noted that this very point, Luke indicates from time to time that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is herself one of the sources, especially when he says in chapter 2, verse 51, that his mother kept all these things in her heart. Also, chapter 2, verse 19, only she could report the event of the Annunciation, which there was no human witness to sum up. What Matthew and Luke set out to do, each in his own way, was not to tell stories, but to write history, real history that had actually happened, admittedly interpreted and understood in the context of the Word of God. So given the facts of the Gospels, we discovered the date of Christmas. Now, if this dating is true, then the early church must have celebrated Christmas December 25th. Is there evidence? Admittedly, evidence is sparse because Christianity and the church were persecuted by the Romans, by the Roman Empire until 313, and no one knows how much evidence has been lost. Nevertheless, according to uh, uh, Libra Pontifica, Pope St. Telsporos, uh, the year 125 to 136, instituted the tradition of celebrating Midnight Mass, which means Christmas already was being celebrated. And St. Theopolis, uh, A.D. 115 to 181, Bishop of Caesarea, stated, we ought to celebrate the birthday of our Lord on the day sober the the 25th of December shall happen. So St. Hippotalus, 170 to 1240 mentioned in his commentary on Daniel that the birth of Christ occurred December the 25th. It's like that song from Scrooge. After Constantine legalized Christianity in 313, the church was able to establish universal dates for the celebration of feast days, including Christmas and the Annunciation. As such evidence shows, the celebration of Christmas, December the 25th by Pope Liberius, 352 to 66 AD, celebrate Christmas Mass in Rome. St. Gregory the Nazanin, we, this again, this is the guy's quoting, the guy of the article I read, he's quoting this guy, this priest. 389 the, in Constantinople and St. Ambrose in 397 in Milan, keep in mind that they would not have just picked a date, but used the date already accepted by the church. So, what about Christmas being substituted? for the pagan holidays. The Romans did celebrate Saratonolia uh, between December 17th and 23rd, commemorating the winter solstice, December 23rd, but Christmas does not fit that time frame. All right, so we read this part here. Now let's look at something that Pope Benedict says. All right, this is from Catholic Answers. 
And I'm going to, this is from, um, all right, article. This is by John uh, Sorensen. This is, he, they quoted him in the article, but let's, let's check it out. I'm not going to play the audio because I don't have permission from that. So I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to, I'm going to credit the article to him. It is the time of year again when many Chris, Christians encounter claims that pagan deities predating Jesus Christ were born on December the 25th. In popular films, internet videos, and other media, you can find long lists of gods who were supposedly born on the same day. This idea is not limited to unbelievers. I have heard many Christians claim that the date of Christmas was intended to provide an alternative to pagan celebrations. In some ways, it has become a pious legend. On the other hand, some fundamentalist denominations refuse to celebrate Christmas for this reason. Of all the deities of whom people make this claim, only three can be found to come close. Saturn, Sol Invictus, uh, and Mithras. Saturnalia. Saturnalia was the feast dedicated to the Roman god Saturn. Established around 222 BC, this feast was originally celebrated on December 17th. Eventually, the feast was extended to last an entire week, ending on December 23rd. The supposed connection of Christmas is based on proximity of the two festivals to each other. This can be found repeatedly in the internet. In, in, in his article, Saturnalia, the reason we celebrate Christmas in December the 25th. Columnist Mark Wintington explains, It's been suggested that Christians in the 4th century assigned December 25th as Christ's birthday and hence Christmas, because pagans already observed this day as a holiday. In this way, the problem of eliminating an already popular holiday would be sidestepped, thus making, Christ, uh, making the Christianizing of popular a population easier. If the suggestions were correct, one would expect to find at least a single reference by early Christians to support it. Instead, we find scores of quotations from church fathers indicating a desire to distance themselves from pagan religions. Sol Invictus and Mari, uh, Mithras. The Feast of Sol Invictus was the attempt by the Roman Emperor Aurelian to reform the cult of Sol the Roman sun god, and reintroduce it to his people, inaugurating Sol's temple and holding games for the first time. A.D. 274, not only was the festival not annual, it also cannot be historically documented as having been established on December the 25th by Aurelian. All right, and uh, he's quoting a, a book here by someone, but let's not bother. According to the inscription on, on candle votives and other ancient works of art, there's a link between Mithras and Sol Invictus. In some cases, it appears that Mithras believed, believed that Mithras, 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 Mithras believed that Mithras and Sol were two different manifestations of the same god. In others, they appear to be two gods, united as one. These connections are difficult to understand and given our limited knowledge of Mithraic belief system, but they are important because they help people help to explain why skeptics claim the birthday of Mithras was celebrated on December 25th. The, okay, hold on. I almost lost. I lo okay, hold on. This thing is giving me a little trouble on the, uh, oh, here it is. A manuscript known as 
uh, chronography of 354 shows the birth of Sol Invictus being celebrated on December 25th. Given the fact that Mithras equated uh, their god with Sol in one way or another, it, and it, it is understandable that they may have appropriated the date as their own. The problem for skeptics is that no evidence exists to suggest that Aurelian was a Mithras or that he even had Mithraism in mind when he instituted the Feast of Sol Invictus. The connection of Mithras to December 25th is only co co uh, co coincidental. The death, all right, hold on. The death blow, the Mithras and Sol Invictus parallels is that the, uh, the choreography of 354 is the earliest mention of any pagan god beings to celebrate on December 25th. The celebration of the birth of Christ by Christians is also mentioned on the calendar as having been celebrated that day, which diminishes the likelihood that, that the pagan feast came first. At the very least, it negates the claim that it can be proved from the historical record that any December the 20th pagan festival predates the Christian tradition. The reason for choosing December the 25th, although the date of Christ's birth is not given to us in Scripture, there is documented evidence that December 25th was already of, of some significance to Christians prior to A.D. 354. One example can be found in the writings of Hippolytus of Rome, who explains in his commentary on the book of Daniel, A.D. 204, that the Lord's birth was believed to have occurred on that, on that day. Here's a quote here, I believe. The, for the first advent of our Lord in the flesh, when he was born in Bethlehem, was December the 25th, Wednesday, while Augustus was in his 42nd year. Okay, he gives you an exact reign. But from Adam, 5,500 years, he, su um, he suffered in the 33rd year, March the 25th, Friday, the 18th year of Tiberius Caesar, while Rufus and uh, uh, Rubelian were consuls. Therefore, that's just, this is very interesting that he actually gives you um, the date. Sorry, the screen keeps bouncing. I keep losing my position. All right. Okay, so the reference to Adam can be understood in light of another of Hippolytus's writing, the Chronicon, where he explained that Jesus was born nine months after the anniversary of creation. According to his calculations, the world was created on the vernal equinox, March 25th, which means Jesus was born nine months later on December the 25th. 19th century liturgical scholar Louis Duchamp explains that towards the end of the 3rd century, the custom of celebrating the birthday of Christ had spread throughout the whole church, while it was not observed everywhere on the same day. Christian worship, its origin, evolution, study of the Latin liturgy up to the time of Charlemagne, page 260. In the West, the birth of Christ was celebrated on December 25th. In the East, on January 6th, Dushan writes that one is inclined to believe that the Roman Church made the choice of December 25th in order to enter the rivalry with, the rivalry with Methron, Methraism. This reason, however, leaves unexplained the choice of the 6th of January. 
His solution, therefore, was the date of Christ's birth was decided by using a starting point the same day which was believed to have, uh, which he, he, he believed have died. Uh, this would explain the discrepancy between the celebrations on the East and West. The discrepancy is actually one is using uh, probably the Julian calendar. Okay, this, okay, point the same day on which he was believed to have died. Okay, well, I know it's just, I think it's a Julian calendar and one is using the Gregorian calendar, which came much later. All right, but anyway, I think that's because the East used the Julian calendar. All right, so, um, given here, all right, given the great aversion on the part of some Christians to anything pagan, the logical conclusion here is that one celebration is nothing to do with the other. The claim used to be made that December the 25th developed an opposition to the Mithra's myth, or as a Christian response to the cult of the unconquered son promoted by Roman emperors in the 3rd century, in this effort to establish a new imperial religion. However, these old theories can no longer be sustained. The decisive factor was the connection of creation and and the cross of creation and Christ's conception. While, okay, hold on here. Lost my place again. While these explanations of how December the, 20th, the 25th came to be, the date of Christmas, are all plausible. We know one thing for sure. The evidence on this day has held a special significance for Christians predates the proof of supposed celebration of Sol Invictus or any other pagan deity. That the Christians that the Christians chose a date close to winter solstice is also not proof that this was done to mimic pagan festivals. The various pagan religions all had festivals spanning the calendar. Whatever month the early Christians might have otherwise chosen would still be would still place Christmas near some pagan celebration. And they'd still be complaining, I guess he's saying here. So anyway, this is the end of this article. I think I think it's great. I think it's really wonderful. I'm going to hopefully keep this article. This is really a very cool article. And now I have something to say to somebody at work who tries to shove it in my face. And you're always going to get somebody that, you know, if you don't look up things, I mean, it's good that we have these people that look these things up. So use this article to explain to people, all right? Please go to National Catholic Registrar, all right? Um, I'm going to try to put it on my... Um, I have a Facebook page with this, uh, the Informed Catholic. I'm going to try to put it on there. If you want to go there, you can look. You can actually borrow it. I'm going to try to place it on my Facebook page, the Informed Catholic. All right. Um, I'll try to do that, and let's end it with a prayer. All right, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. God bless everyone and stay stay well. All right? God bless. I'll be back again with another article or, or I'm going to continue doing the um, Advent readings. God bless.